Hey everyone, welcome to this week's episode of the Unbuild It podcast. This week we have the privilege of two outstanding sponsors in the building industry. First up, Huber Engineered Woods. They're the makers of Advantech and Zip Systems. While I could sit here and give testimonials to each of their products, I'd much rather talk to you about Huber Engineered Woods as a company. As a sole proprietor, I need manufacturers that are team players. I need them at the beginning, the middle, and the end of projects to answer all my questions and help me provide the very best solutions to my clients' projects. Huber is just that team player. Whether from a building science perspective or solving a sourcing question, they always have the answers I need. If you haven't used Advantech zip sheathing, zip bar sheathing, or their family of tapes and liquid flashings, there is no time like the present to team up with the pros at Huber Engineered Woods and start putting your buildings in a position for success. Second up, Benjamin Obdike. Benjamin Obdike is another team player that helps me solve problems. Through their team effort, we always develop solutions for placing my homes in a position for success. They offer an array of different venting and rain screen solutions to solve for my often challenging questions. Whether it's Home Slicker, Slicker Max, or the ever tried and true Cedar Breather, their arsenal of products provide me the successful solutions I need. But the most important aspect of teaming up with a company like Benjamin Obdike is knowing that I'm delivering long lasting durable solutions to my clients' projects. Hey there, Unbuild It Podcast family. We're back for a new episode. And this week, if you can believe it, it was chosen by the one and only Peter Yost. Jake and I concurred. But we're going to talk about construction moisture. And and since um, this is the family, is it like Brother Pete and Brother Jake and Brother Steve? Well, I- you did live in a parsonage. <laughs> I knew that. I set you up perfectly for that. I knew you were going to say that. In a pear tree. But given the Christmas season, I thought I would throw that in. For uh, control layers. Construction moisture. It's, uh, I think it's one of those things that is definitely there. It can potentially be a problem. It's certainly uh, misunderstood and overlooked in many ways. But I think it's part of the system. How's that? I'm going to go out on a limb and say that. And the the reason I say it's part of the system I, is our ability to build faster, close in quicker, mm. and seal up tighter makes it a variable in what we do. How's that, Peter? Did I do that good? Uh, there's a little tear trickling down my cheek. I know I'm well, stealing that from Joe Stebrick, but... Thank you. So, and but you, Steve, you, don't don't can can we start out with defining what we mean by construction moisture? Well, go ahead. I I defer to you with definitions. Well, you are Jake, Pedopedia. brother Pedopedia. Jake. How's that? Brother Jake, I got how a do new, you feel new about construction <laughs> We're gonna okay, um, audience. We are now gonna defer to Pedopedia for the definition of construction moisture. That's pretty. Pedopedia. Cool. What say you? Uh, Brother Steve, thanks for inviting me here today. Uh, So it's interesting, construction moisture, or oftentimes also called the moisture of construction, that's all the water or vapor or any form of moisture that is generated during the construction of the project. Um, That's a lot of stuff. 
Yeah, yeah. And so it could be what moisture is given off by the materials, but I think it also should include moisture that's generated as a process during construction. So if you're running a propane salamander inside the building so your drywall crew can walk around in Bermuda shorts and t-shirts while they mud the walls, that's not moisture coming from the construction materials. It's coming from a process during the construction. Um, how'd I do, Brother Steve? Um, Peter, exceptional as always. That's why I highly recommend Petapedia to all our listeners. By the way, this is slightly off topic. Uh, somebody no, asked me no, the other day, what is the best book for beginners in building science? And I said, you know what? I uh, I think the the most I've learned about building science is from Peter. And he said, well, not everybody has access to Peter. Answer my questions. <laughs> oh, like, no, they do. Because <laughs> if, if someone messages me, I give out his cell phone number very freely. Same here. So access. Homeline, uh, too. Yeah, home line, cell phone, email. I'd give you his uh, Instagram handle, but he doesn't know. He doesn't check messages. When when it comes up on my phone, spam risk. My first response is, who would name their kid spam? (laughs) Like Mister Risk, Blaze Pascal, maybe. That's a callback. That's a callback. <laughs> so let's talk about the things that generate moisture from a material standpoint, Peter. And cool. I, well, we, you, you know what? Before before we do that, before I was interrupted by Peter and now you, I actually have a story that I can tell oh, about construction moisture. Wee, a story. I love stories. Well, this one this one is actually pretty interesting because we'll I, uh, I was... Oh. We'll be the judge of that. All right. So there's a builder in the Boston area, a very reputable builder, and I would help him out on the building science end of things because I I just <clears throat> it would take me two years to design the buildings that he's building. His his houses in are that he builds are measured in tens of thousands square feet. But anyways, he was doing this one house. The foundation consisted of um about three hundred and fifty feet long. It was, it ranged in width from probably 30 feet to about 60 or 70 feet. Um, it was 16 foot tall, 16 inch wide foundation walls. I have a picture of it. It literally looks like a dry dock. Poured in um, place when it concrete. Was, yeah, and it was all cast in place concrete. And they were doing a precast system up above, um, precast wall system for framing, and then they were going to do roof trusses. So they were going to frame and close in this 20, I don't know, it's probably on the order of about 25,000, 28,000 square foot house mm. in like less than four months yep. with that foundation system. And I told them, I said, you know, one of my concerns is, is you're closing this in pretty damn quick and you have all that concrete in the basement, Right. And so we were on a call with the architect and I, and, and I had mentioned this that, you know, one of my concerns is getting some kind of system in there to bake the house while you're framing it, um, to handle this moisture load and, and to kind of mitigate it. 
And the architect's question was, where do you think all this moisture is coming from? Yeah. And I looked at the builder like, is he trying to just play games here or is he really doesn't get construction moisture? And I said, well, maybe it has something to do with the hundreds of gallons in each of those hundreds of concrete trucks that are going to come to the job site to place that concrete. Right. That moisture or that water doesn't just disappear. It goes into the concrete, but then it comes out of the concrete and goes into the air and becomes moisture content. Yeah. That you have to deal with. And the, constru- I just the thought concrete it was- industry calls that water of convenience. Uh, the water that you have to add to be able to move the concrete around because it actually takes very little water to actually make the Portland and aggregate harden. It's just you can't do anything with it. You can't transport it. You can't move it around in a form. It won't slump for you without all that water of convenience. That's one of my favorite construction terms. That's cool because it's just a vehicle to move it at that point. Yep. Yeah. So water of convenience. Thank you, Jake. I like, I feel fulfilled already. And it's what nine 30 in the morning. Well, and that's so, you know, I don't want to get locked into just talking about uh, cast concrete, but it is of course the single biggest source on. So how much water is it? Well, I I love Joe's and that Joe Stebrick's analogy. One of the first building science presentations I saw him talk about was, you know, the high capacity of different building materials. And he said, hey, look, if you build, you know, a, a modest small home all out of concrete, that would represent about 5,000 pounds of water that would need to be managed for that building. If you took the same building and built it out of wood, that might be 500 pounds of water that you need to pan and, uh, manage. And if you built it out of steel, it might be like 50 pounds. So, so cool because... Are those numbers accurate? Well, of course not. They're they're Joe math, which is magnitudes, right? Joe's trying to make the point that the difference between the concrete and wood is a factor of 10, and the difference between wood and steel is a factor of 10. And for steel, it's noise, right? Because that the hypercapacity of steel is, it, it doesn't absorb any moisture except some to its surface. But for all the other materials we deal with, you know, there's a lot of moisture in there. Um so, and just so everybody follows, uh, a pint's a pound the world around. So when Peter says a pound of water, he's talking about a pint glass full of water. Yeah, and Joe's other thing was, hey, look, if you do just the concrete slab in a modest home, so that's four inches thick, say a 1,000 square feet, in the first six months, that slab will give off a 1,000 pounds of water, which is a 1,000 pints, which is about 125 gallons. You know, so, Peter, you bring that up. I, I, um, within years, and, and I know I had this conversation with you, um, but we, we kind of find out, found out our rule of thumb answer through our network. But remember when I did the first, uh, floating insulation double Advantech floor on top of a concrete slab. And on top of that, we were doing a, a 12 inch wide pine Eastern white pine flooring. Wow. And so the question came up or that we raised was, do we, are we worried about moisture? How do we deal with moisture? And what is the potential problem there? Yeah. Right. How, how much is it? And to, to cut through all the red tape, basically the answer was 
you need about a month's drying per inch of concrete slab oh, that's to a great get one. it to a somewhat, somewhat steady state. I mean, concrete is probably always releasing some level of moisture, but you, you kind of flatten out the risk curve at about one month per inch of slab. So, yeah, that's a great one. Because if you go to the, it's, I always remember what, can't remember the NCRMA or NRCMA, the National Ready Mix Concrete Association. They've got a great chart that shows, you know, the curve for water given off of, uh, setting concrete. And of course, it's really steep to begin with. And then, so it, it, Steve, it may be one month per inch, but it's not linear, right? So, right. um, you know, the most is given off early, but, but that's a great thing to say that if you're casting a four inch slab it, after about four months, you can count on that f- to be mostly noise, the moisture being given off. And yeah, I, that, I guess the, the point of that is don't, don't pour the slab and two weeks later be throwing hardwood floor on top of it. Yeah. Right. Give give it give it its due time and plan appropriately so that slab has that uh you know, we were very fortunate that the house was designed such that we poured the slab and then we framed the exterior walls and then did roof trusses over the whole slab. So Basically, the slab, we had about five or six months of drying there while we did everything around the outside um, before we had to come to in, inside the house. So, Yeah, um, you know, the building investigations I do, I'm actually involved in one right now that's, you know, involving litigation. But one of the first questions I ask is, okay, you got a new building with a moisture problem. When was the foundation set? You know, because sometimes... Because the, the crazy thing about construction moisture, it's a one-time load, right? I mean, it's you, you have to manage it, but um, the simplest way to manage it is to extend the construction cycle. But that's how I do it. Be slow. That's yeah. how we do it. Well, and you're not adding to it, right? You're not injecting more moisture into it. It's a one-time load that is what it is from the starting point. I, you need to adopt Jake, Brother Steve's motto which is go slow to go fast there you go that's one of yeah, my work that's that's actually farley i'll give farley credit on that one right. he's the, he's the first one i faster. ever heard say it works slower to be faster that's nice i think my right. guys take that to heart <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of builders out there that i think take that to uh extreme levels of, well and you know the one building investigation i got called that was completely related to construction moisture was about a three thousand square foot house from breaking ground to moving the family in was uh, 12 weeks. That's ridiculous. They moved in in Thanksgiving, and right after Christmas, I got called because of all the moisture problems. And we yep. traced it back. It was primarily related to um, just closing the building in too fast. Although what complicated it was, we, I was doing a tour of the building, and I said, you know, huh, you, you, I don't remember seeing in the plans a cut in the foundation for a bulkhead. He said, oh, yeah, we added that. I said, oh, so you cut the concrete wall for the, 
He said, oh, yeah, it was a mess down here. There was like three inches of water on the floor of the basement while we while they cut that. <clears throat> so I'm like, you know, the, add that to my column of another source of moisture was the three inches of water from the wet saw cutting through the foundation. All right. So we, yeah. I think that for expediency purposes, we know that paint brings in moisture because it's a drying process. Latex paint is, is a, is a drying process, uh, drywall compound. Uh, if you're, and I would never do this for this conversation reason, pouring like a basement slab after the house is already framed. Uh, you know, I get it if it's super cold in your market and you'd rather pour that inside or something. Uh, what else do we have? We have the propane heaters. We technically have. But sometimes that's load. just the scheduling thing. And and honestly, Jake, I know some builders that prefer that, right? Because they say things like, oh, well, we don't want to be out in the sun uh-huh. when we're doing the concrete because then it's just it's harder to work. The top dries faster or cures quicker. That'd and, be better. I mean, concrete. I, I think concrete, <laughs> concrete's one of those that there's probably no less than like a hundred myths of personal preference on why to, yeah. well, we need to do the slab right away. Oh, we need to do it after we have a roof on. No, well, oh, we, we need to do it. it if it's after the roof's on. Yeah. And all these just different, different, uh, the schemes. Um, it, but it is entertaining. Brother Jake, I think, uh, the one you didn't mention was wood. Yep. The framing materials to, I mean, every piece of lumber that you bring in the building, which we had a conversation the other day about the scope of work. My scope of work has that we're testing framing when it arrives and we're testing it before we close up. It's like two uh, sentences on a page. Yeah. But it, it takes. No, your scope of work. <laughs> thanks. Those, those things are two sentences on <laughs> a, a much larger scope of work. Uh, but that's the idea is that. I can't hang drywall on framing lumber that's got 17% moisture. You know, that's a recipe for disaster. Things are going to move and we're going to have major problems. And it just resolves some of the issues for me. Now, I have never had to delay one of my builds because of the the framing moisture content. But I believe that's mostly because we're slow. So, Father Peter... I, I can't say brother because you're much older than me. Much older. Um, I walked into my own trap. There you go. So, you know what's interesting that I just thought of, and you're going to, I think you're going to appreciate this. So, when, when dealing with construction moisture, how about we talk also about moisture that's accumulated during construction that can become a problem? And I'm, let me give you a fine example because you and I, um, tested this very detail when we were in North Carolina and down there, a lot of the builders take their sheathing and align the exterior face of the sheathing with the exterior face of the concrete foundation Mm. wall. And so they set that bottom edge of plywood or OSB basically on the concrete frame. Well, there is, you know, four or five weeks where that wall is exposed, water runs down, rolls into that joint and gets sucked up into that sheathing. And that that's not moisture that came with the sheathing. Hmm. It's moisture that's accumulated during construction that now has to find a way out of the wall as the wall gets closed in. And we had measured it. If you remember, we got something like 9% moisture content 
on the sheathing, and then we literally went about 36 inches above it and probed the same sheet of sheathing. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. We were 36 inches above, and we hit 9%. Yeah. We went down near the slab, and we were at like 9 uh, No, we were more than 19%. It was in the range of doubled or a little more. Yeah. Of double the moisture content in that 36 inches, and it was all within the same sheet. So it just shows that that detail. So there's a, I mean, water is one of those things where it's a, it's a killer and a constant challenge for a building, whether you bring the moisture, accumulate the moisture or have the, the water, you know, from a water management standpoint, just challenge the building later. When you guys get a did moisture those, load. those measurements that you were just talking about, did you uh, take the opportunity to do the same sort of elevation test on the next sheet up? To no. see if there was any migration in the panel no. above and panel joints and things like that? I was totally satisfied at 36 inches above concrete slab. That's actually a great question, Jake, but I, I bet you that, um, you know, 9% was pretty representative of what the sheet should be at, you know, if it's not yeah. taking on moisture. Um, but I'm not sure, Steve, if you're going to call me Father Pete, does then I call you Son Steve? This is weird. I don't like this. This is really weird. Yeah, I don't like that. Okay, Brother Pete. I'm dropping the father. <laughs> that was uncomfortable enough Pete. when we were calling each other brother. <laughs> so um, I just wanted to say that there's a great paper written by, written by a guy named Jeff Christian. I haven't, Jeff Christian is a really great researcher from Oak Ridge National Lab down in Oak Ridge, Tennessee. I don't think he's in the business anymore, but he wrote a great paper. I think it's for ASHRAE that I use as sort of my Bible for moisture of construction, you know, quantitative testing from an actual building or a couple of buildings, I think that they did. So for those of you looking for a great resource, um, just look up Jeff Christian and construction moisture. You Google that, you'll find his paper. So what do we do to manage it though? Heat with electric heat. If it's in the winter, let it have more time. If it's in the summer, dehumidify during the process with regular old dehumidifiers. We have uh, a little uh, corner of our shop that has multiple dehumidifiers in it. Um, sometimes it's leave the windows open. Right? It was cool when Steve and I went down to Austin and went to at least, well, we went to a couple of job sites of Matt Reisinger's and uh, saw his uh, trailer-mounted industrial size grade dehumidifying unit that he I, that was like a 36 inch duct steve that went from the trailer to the yeah. it looked like a blower door attachment to the through a window but he you know when he's got an accelerated schedule he's uh running a, a big ass dehumidifier to pull that construction moisture out and another one i just thought of uh, jake would be uh damp spray cellulose Another another construction yeah. moisture um, to consider. I got to check with my insulator. I don't even know. I've I've only actually seen damp spray cellulose once <laughs> in my time, um, and it was Mantachi, Mississippi, where we did it. It was just um, damp coming out of the machine. It wasn't actually supposed <laughs> to be damp coming out of the machine. <laughs> it was but, just humid. But that was laced. yeah. But that was the only time I've ever seen. Damp spray cellulose. We did a uh, 
damp spray rock wool a couple years really? ago. But the interesting thing, though, Peter, is is I won't. It it was so little water, and it was mixed with some kind of binder at the nozzle mm-hmm. when it gets injected. But the thing was pretty much dry in twenty four hours. Huh. So you could literally, you know, sheetrock or drywall within a day or two of the installation of this. So what what problems do we have to, I mean, what are our major concerns with construction moisture? I talked about in framing, I don't want things drying out and shifting after we've connected our drywall to them because that's a recipe for cracking and callbacks and warranty issues. But there are much more serious things than just some drywall cracks, right, Peter? Yeah, I mean, that example I gave of the project where, you know, it resulted in a lot of interstitial trapped moisture and mold. Um, and the, the the interesting thing about it was that, so what do you do? It's a one-time load. Do you rip everything apart to start over? Um, or do you just say, uh, hey, if, um, if, if the moisture conditions created initial problems, what do we have to do to make sure that they don't continue? And it's a really important point, right? Because if there's some other moisture source that's not one time, then you don't want to mix up the one time moisture problem with uh, missing one that's going to be persistent and, you know, create future problems. That was one of the issues on this building was, well, so, okay, what do we do? Um, do we need to worry about what's happened with the building or is it something that will um, uh, resolve itself because it's a one-time source of moisture? Um, and so you're saying you also can't tr- you can't just be like, okay, well, we'll dehumidify for two weeks and that'll take care of it and we'll treat that mold and then it'll be done if it's a recurring issue, if it's a, if it's a constant leak or something. The solutions are different. Yeah, and this gets into the whole issue of, you know, there's a big... I remember when we were building Science Corporation during summer camp, and I think, Steve, it was when Mac Pierce was doing a presentation on mold. And the mold mitigation contractors there were like, hey, have you got mold inside an inst- you know, inside a cavity? You've got to rip that whole thing apart and get that mold out. And I'm, I'm pretty sure that w- there were building scientists there, including Mac, that said, well, wait a minute. You know, mold goes active and dormant all the time with, you know, conditions that support growth or not. And if that mold is dormant in that cavity and that cavity is no longer got moisture to Never again. You know, grow mold and that, those, that mold and those mold spores are not communicating with the interior environment, do you really need to rip the whole thing apart? And I don't think there was ever a, you know, an answer to what sort of risk that mold poses because part of it has to do with, well, What's the sensitivity of the occupants to Each irritations type. that mold cause? Um, how much air communication is there between a wall cavity and the inside of the building, right? Because depending upon where your continuous air barrier is, you know, if the continuous air barrier is on the outside of the building, you've got mold in a interstitial space in the enclosure. Well, that, that air is communicating with the inside environment. So... Um, you know, there's some, and, and and the standard for mold is basically about exposed mold, right? About what you're supposed to do to treat it. 
So it gets a little tricky when we talk about mold growing inside cavities because A, we don't see it unless we take something apart. And B, we really don't know how much you can let them out, mold let them outside, and then just lock them in the space. office or something. Well, and uh, I don't just That's while okay. we're on the topic of mold, I think it came from Joe Stebrick. Uh, the way I discuss it is mold needs three things it needs temperature, something to eat, and moisture. We live at the same temperatures that mold lives, we build our houses out of what mold likes to eat. The only thing we have control over is the moisture. Yeah, and you know, molds have been around a long time. They know what to do. If they don't have the right conditions, they don't die, right? They go dormant. You know, they they generate spores to to rest until the conditions come back, and then they'll start growing again. Um, but you know, I, the thing I like about this particular problem of construction moisture is it is a one-time load. And it can be easily managed, period. You know, if, if you if you th- easily discovered and e- easily managed. Exactly. And you do not want to discover it the second way, which is, <laughs> you know, it's you've got cavities that are full of moisture and and growth because you didn't manage that load initially. You're right, Jake. It's really easy to take care of it as part of the construction process. But if you're going to accelerate. You know, I, I, I tell the story, my my. My great grandfather was a Pennsylvania home builder, and my grandmother said that he never built a single house in the winter. In the winter, she played in his wood shop, and that's where he built doors and windows and stair parts and molding. And then he waited for the weather to allow him to build, and it took him about six months to build a house, and that's his six months of drying. He never had any moisture problems. And it's in part because the way he cycled his construction was honoring the climate in Pennsylvania. So, you know, honor the climate, honor the moisture, and read Jeff Christian. Honor the read moisture. Jeff Christian. You can think of it like a Christmas carol, right? We're pretty close to Christmas here. You guys keep saying That's stuff a like stretch. that. This publishes in February. Oh, shoot. So we're really early for the next Christmas. Yes. <laughs> Well, that, uh, I don't know if I told Well, no, I'm going to say for Valentine's Day, read Jeff Christian. You're going to love it. Okay. When we were, uh, when we started construction on our house, uh, my wife said, when is it going to be done? Like a weekend of me working on it. And I said, you will be able to put up Christmas lights. <coughs> and as a year was coming on and we're only a few weeks from Christmas, she says, this house is not even half done. And you said I was going to be able to put up Christmas lights. And I said, you can put up Christmas lights whenever you want. And she was you never like, said oh, what year. I don't like this. I've never felt you said, like. never said what year yeah. Christmas lights. I never you felt said. before like my wife was going to put a knife in me when I was looking the other direction. <laughs> Until that conversation. Yeah. So send us out, Steve. That's it? I think we're so. Done? We we're done? Are you saying that? We were trying to You know, it always baffles me. It it does baffle me. Peter touched upon it. I'm going to stretch this just a little bit more. But I can't tell you how many times I go in and I see, you know, houses that just get... In New England here, we do plaster most of the time, not drywall with tape. <clears throat> so we have a little bit more moisture happening in there. And you go in there and all the windows are closed and... A couple of those salamander heaters are just roaring. 
And I look at the builder and say, what are, what are you doing? I was like, why don't you shut off the heater and just open a couple windows? Like the moisture content outside is probably, you know, 20. <laughs> All you got to do is open the window and the high moisture is going to try and go to the low moisture and you can dry the wall out that way. You're, you're actually adding. And, and while they're doing this with the salamanders, like the windows are sweating like mm -hmm. unbelievable, right? You can't even see out them because there's so much water on the face of the window. A gallon of water but, uh, per therm of propane. Right. A pint of pound is the world around, or what the hell did you say? Well, so, Steve, I'm going to do the send-off. I'm going to say that our conversation on the moisture of construction has dried up. Hey, Is that the whole reason you wanted to talk about this, was just to use that joke? Did you write that down two or three days ago? Pretty much. Sometimes I think he came up, he comes up with the punchline before the joke. The reverse and, engineers uh, the joke. And he reverse engineers the, the whole conversation. Uh, I have to go in reverse most of the time with you, Steve. Oh. He's not That's, paying attention. He's looking at something on his You know, I might, just, I might just start telling people my nickname is Blaze. I'm Steve Bazek. Most people call me Blaze. And we can call you BB. Blaze Bazek. BB. Okay, now we're just waiting. We're done. We are we are done. done. Phone. He's playing. Well, I'm done. I'm still videoing. I'm I'm Steve's doing using this his video phone where... to record something on his computer that's not this podcast, just for you. No, it is the podcast. I'm I'm showing people my talents in multitasking. We just talked so about that. So it's actually the podcast, but I have a live stream video of a demo of a house. And the, the excavator just came around to, like, right in front of the camera. And he's putting the bucket through the roof. And you can see there was, like, a big patio door. So you can see the bucket then go into the room as he pulls this stuff out. So, all right, maybe it's not exciting to you guys, but I'm pretty thrilled. Well, I do appreciate it. that you're closing out with the unbuilding of a building, Steve. Mm -hmm. We're on unbuilding here. We're 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 unbuilding the fast way. I'm trying to rescue you from your multitasking, bud. Rescue me from myself. All right. Okay. Well, this is Blaze Bazek, and uh, we're uh, we're signing off. That's it for moisture construction, moisture in buildings. I hope you guys uh, had a treat. It's always a privilege to. Uh, sit with uh, Mr. Peter Yost and brother Jacques Bruton as we uh, discuss unbuilding. So, Amen. until next time. <laughs>